my first hundred deals were flips. And somebody right now, go do what you did. Yeah. When I hear flip, I hear buy it cheap, make it nicer, sell it for more. What happens when I buy it, what I think is cheap, and then it doesn't sell for what I thought it would. With real estate, there's lots of exit options. So, so dude, you're a real estate investor says mogul. What's a mogul? It's a good question, dude. A, I don't know. Teacher, wealth builder. Yeah. Where did it all begin? You were, you were a broke Filipino boy at some point. <laughs> That's what you said at my event. Uh, did you tell <laughs> so you spoke at my event, what, six months ago, uh, nine funny. months ago. And the first thing Brad says on stage is, okay, so, you know, this broke Filipino boy came up to me and asked me to speak at this event. Well, no, I was talking about how important building a brand is. Right. And the whole audience, you had freaking look like a thousand people there. Yeah, it was a big event. I don't know how you get so many people in the room, but. We do it every quarter too. Yeah, so hey, there was a hey, shit. January 9th. It's our next one. Yeah, and I tell him, I, I I told him, he said, you know, come speak. So I said, okay, I will, because, you know, I wanted to pop in. So I popped in, got there right before I got on, walked on the stage, and then literally dropped the mic and, and left. <laughs> but one of the things I was talking about is building a personal brand and how valuable it was. And I used you as an example, because I said, without a personal brand, dude, you would just be a broke Filipino boy. <laughs> right? True, true. I mean, a lot of your, a lot of your, let's say deal flow comes because of your personal brand. Yeah. I think, um, look, I, I'm a big proponent of personal brand, just like you. And I didn't start taking it serious until the pandemic. That was when I first started real, like I had zero YouTube subscribers, zero TikTok. How many YouTubes you got? Um, almost 300,000. Yeah. So you got me beat on YouTube and I like YouTube. I think I, YouTube's the best. I got to start working. I, you know, when you said I, I started taking it seriously, I haven't yet. I believe it. I know. I, I think want you, to, I think you take your podcast seriously, but the other stuff, I don't think you really the, care. The podcast I do consistently. I don't really take it that seriously. Like I don't have a staff finding me the best guests and right. promoting the shit out of it. And you know, every episode I'm promoting it and promoting it. I, I'm just doing it. Right. So ironically, I don't think I take anything really that seriously. And I'm going to change that in 2023. I, yeah, I, I would say you don't take anything seriously for sure. I know. And I'm going to change that. Though. <laughs> yeah. Even when we went engulfed, you know, you show up five minutes before with a cigar walking out, like, you know, I think you were wearing jeans on the golf course too. I can't even remember. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, I was like, what's this guy doing close, but that's because I don't give a fuck. But I know, but I know you in, don't. In reality in 2023, I'm going to. Yeah. Imagine if I tried, look what I'm doing on accident. Well, you and I talked about this too. I, I forgot when we did, maybe it was when we were golfing. You were like, yo, I'm going to take my diet seriously. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do this. And dude, you, shape. Look, you look really good now. Starting to. Thank you. Thank you. Who, who, Andy Frisella called you fat, right? No. Wasn't it? Bedros Koulian. Okay. Like that, that cut you deep. It didn't cut me deep. Cause I mean, I've, I've always known it. But, but Bedros made it funny because, because I was in, he looked at me and he goes, brother, what are you doing? I go, what do you mean? He goes, dude, you're better than that. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, yeah, I am. You know what? I, I, I probably am. But what I didn't realize is a lot of people were looking at me and, you know, I need to be more responsible with what I'm saying and what I'm doing because whether I like it or not, I'm an influencer. Yeah. And I used to think I'm not an influencer, dude. That's stupid. I'm not an influencer, but I am one. And so now it's almost a responsibility that mm -hmm. I have to take seriously. Why? Well, cause dude, I'm influencing people. And if that's the case, that's a responsibility. Right. So I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to do the right things. 
And I'm going to take things a little bit more seriously. I'm going to start trying. Let's just say, you know, want to, you want to know what my like motto is for 2023. The word that I'm really focused on is being intentional, just intention with everything we do. Hey, why are we making this video? Like, what's the intent of it? What are we trying to get out of this? What's what, what action do we want the viewer to take by seeing this? Not just making it and then whatever happens, happens because that's what you and I have been doing. Right. Same thing with businesses. Like we're, we're going to be acquiring businesses this coming year. And I'm like, okay, there's going to be a lot of businesses that want to be acquired. And it's like, but why, why would we take that one? Does it fit our purpose? Does it fit our mission? Like, are we just going to take every, anyone and everyone? No. So I think being intentional with your content, with your team, with everything is going to be key. How's your team? You got a good team? You got a good team, man. How do you find a good team? Um, you know, who actually gave some good advice on this was Hormozy. Uh, he spoke at my event after the one you spoke at and Layla and him both spoke and she gave a really good presentation on hiring people. Yeah. I was about to say Layla gives the most, uh, you know, good shit on building teams. Yeah. Cause she's the operator of the two. And she talked about, you know, the one thing I never really considered until it was really evident from them was you know, we think about marketing to get a customer, but we don't think about marketing to get employees, but you need to do that both ways. Right. And so with our content, if we're marketing how great our companies are and our culture and how well we take care of our employees, people are going to want to work for us like top talent. And if I'm highlighting how much money, you know, my people are making, people are gonna be like, Oh, wow. You know, actually, you know, our buddy Grant, did this. Um, I was at his office and I saw a highlight reel that they created to recruit people. And it was like two minutes and it said, Hey, like it was just testimonials basically from employees. Hey, I used to work at the car dealership. I was making 60 grand a year. Now I work at Cardone and I make 200 grand a year. Right. And so I'm like, wow, nobody does that. Like when's the last time you've seen an employee testimonial talking about before and afters? That's super smart. And it goes back to how are you marketing to get your employees? And I was like, that makes complete sense. Like if you can build a big funnel at the top with your marketing, you're going to attract top talent. And then, you know, just like we do with everything else, you whittle it down, figure out whether or not they fit your core values, whether, you know, it's going to be a good fit and you're going to end up with a lot of A players. If you're watching this show, my guess is you're probably an entrepreneur who's trying to grow your business. And for me, the best thing I ever did to grow my business was build my personal brand on social media. It's allowed me to get more revenue. It's allowed me to raise more capital and it's allowed me to hire better talent. And if you are not currently creating content for your brand, you're missing out and your competition is. So if you want to learn to grow, my advice is to create a podcast. Now, there's a lot that goes into building a podcast and why I believe it's the best way. So I've actually created a free training that I want you to go check out. If you go to panadamedia.com slash podcast, you can go access the free training right now and see how a podcast is going to be the best decision to grow your personal brand today. So go check it out by clicking the link below and I'll see you in the training. Do you allow them to work virtually? So we do have like, I would say half of our staff is virtual. So across all my companies, I'd say we have close to about a hundred employees, um, between, you know, W2 and then 1099 people that, you know, they're not W2, but they're pretty good for us. Right. 
Did you tell Grant that I made him? I did, dude. What did he say? So we were we were we were at dinner in Miami, and I said, "Hey, Grant, dude, I just had I was with Brad a couple of days ago. We were talking about you on my podcast, and Brad said that he made you. He said that you were. <laughs> he said that you were not uh, cool. You, know, you weren't cool. You weren't like uh, crazy and like uh, loud. What did he say? He said, dude, and Jared was with him too. And they're like, bro, that's not true. Bullshit, <laughs> dude. I'm going to FaceTime his ass. He knows that's true. <laughs> so does Jared, dude. When I, when I, when I first met Jared, he was a stoner. <laughs> yeah. But Jared's a smart dude too. Yeah. So yeah. But uh, dude, that's a f- truth. That is the truth. <laughs> but I didn't make him obviously. No, but I definitely turned him into someone. A you helped mold him. I helped, I helped him get out of his, uh, shell because he was he wasn't like he is now but he hung out with me long enough to become like kind of fun and himself and realize that you don't really need to be you know like the the, like the the suit guy yeah i don't think i don't and, and it wasn't that i was aware of it it's just i know that you know people like people for for who they are not necessarily for for what they do so when you're sitting there all in a suit and tie and you know you're all conservative and you don't say much what's there to like but if you get out of your freaking shell and you start you're you transparent know, and you just become you, well then yes, there's going to be some people that don't like you. Yeah. But there's going to be a lot of people that do. And that's the thing I've realized with my podcast is like, you know, you hear about all these guys getting canceled and you don't want to offend people. And then you start really just saying what you believe, whether it's political, whether it's about anything. Right. And people will like you more for that. And yeah, you lose people too, but they were never going to be like people you wanted to associate with anyway. Nine times out of 10. Yeah. So, so for those of you listening now, Ryan, when you started, you were not wealthy at all. You actually were a broke Filipino boy. Weren't That's you? right. The book would be called the broke Filipino way. Now, now you started flipping couches. See, this, this is why I like your story because a lot of people always have these excuses and I'm like, dude, listen, you, number one, you got to start. You don't have to be, good to start, but you'd got to start to be good. Right. So you started flipping couches. Yep. I, uh, what made you think of flipping couches? <laughs> well, before that, you know, all I wanted to do is play baseball. So I got drafted by the Oakland A's in 2010 and you know, people don't know this, but in the minor leagues, you don't make any money. I was making literally $1,200 a month. Like, I don't know how they get away paying that much, but that was my salary and I needed a job in the off season. So I became a realtor realized I hated that. That was back in 2010. And I just was doing like random side hustles, trying to make money in the off seasons while I pursued the dream of playing baseball. And so I was a substitute teacher that was making 90 bucks a day. And, you know, just right down the street here from your office, like teaching high schools, doing like just biding my time. Well, I ended up getting married in 2013. Um, My wife and I were super young. My wife just turned 21. She was in school to become a teacher, which wasn't going to make any money either. And I'm still trying to figure out whether or not I'm going to play baseball because I'd gotten released by the Oakland A's. And so I'm like, dude, am I going to even have a career? Like, what am I going to do? I need to make money. I'm married now. And so I had furnished our apartment and our apartment, you know, was like eight, 900 square feet. And I furnished it for like a thousand dollars. And I said, man, 
that was really good deals I got because I was, I didn't have money to just waste. I was like, I bet you I could sell this stuff for like $3,000, $4,000. And so I put it to the test. I said, you know what? I'm going to just go buy one couch as if I didn't have this one and see if I could flip it and make some money. And sure enough, like I flipped it, made a couple hundred bucks. And I'm like, that's way more than substitute teaching. It took me two hours to go pick up this couch and clean it up. And I just made twice as much. How would you clean it up? Like steam cleaners? No, I didn't even do that. All I did was take off the the cushion covers. You know, they have the zipper, threw it in the washer, just threw it back on, took a nice picture, offered free delivery. And that was it. Hmm. Super simple. Just reprice it on Craigslist a couple hours later, you know, a couple hundred dollars more. And that was it. And that was it. And, you know, eventually, you know, that made a thousand bucks a month then 2000 then 4,000. Then, you know, eventually I was making eight grand a month net just flipping couches. That was my first successful. How, how busy were you? Really not that busy, dude. I mean, think about it back then. This was in 2014 when I really started doing that. Um, there was really only Craigslist. Like there was no offer up. Facebook marketplace didn't exist. None of that stuff existed yet. And so what I would do is I would just sit at the house, literally watching TV, just scrolling Craigslist. And I would refresh it every like 30 minutes just to see if anything new popped up. And every time something new popped up, I'd make an offer, say, hey, I'll give you 50 bucks for this couch and I'll pick it up right now. And the moment someone said yes, I left. I went and picked it up. You know, um, Eventually I had storage units, so I'd go take it back to my storage unit. And I had a process. I would literally take pictures of it dirty because you can't really tell in the pictures. I'd take pictures of it dirty right when I got it. I would then take the cushion covers off, take them home, go post it on Craigslist right then and there. So an hour after I picked it up and then clean it up, you know, wash the, the, the covers, bring them back on, put the covers back on. I mean, all of that takes like two hours total. And then when somebody was ready for me to go, um, you know, sell it, they, they call me up and say, all right, I'm good. I go deliver it. That takes about an hour. So, I mean, three hours of work to make two, $300. I mean, make a hundred bucks an hour almost. No, no. Did anybody call you that sold you the couch and saw it an hour or two later? Say, what, what up, dude? You're- you know, that really didn't happen that often. I mean, I did over a thousand transactions like on Craigslist. Crazy. But that didn't, didn't happen. Were you that worried often. about being murdered? Dude, call me just young and, and naive, but no, I, I didn't care. But you know, what's funny is I just released a YouTube where I interviewed couch flippers. So something funny happened you know, that, that was a really cool part of my life. That was my first successful business. But when I got into YouTube in 2020, I made a video about it because I was like, Hey, I don't know who needs to hear this, but there's this side hustle. No one literally knows about. And I'm gonna tell you guys exactly how to do it step-by-step. So I detailed it. And it was my first viral video. It's got like 800,000 views to this day. And from there, like so many people just started flipping couches. It was like, it became a crazy thing. And then this year, somebody showed me a Facebook group. It's literally a couch flipping mastermind. I was like, these guys are in this Facebook group, like exchanging ideas of how to flip couches. So I go in there and I'm like, Hey, how many, like, I just was like, Hey, this is super cool. You guys are doing this. And everybody went nuts, dude. It was like, it was you. Yeah. It was like LeBron walked into the Staples center, just the couch flipping goat. And I was like, this is crazy, dude. They were going nuts. And I was like, you know what? I want to interview some of you guys and see how couch flipping's like going for you. And so I interviewed like 10 of them. And uh, I just launched that YouTube video today, actually. These guys are killing it. I mean, there's people making 
10 grand a month working 20, 30 hours a week. There's people making 20, 30 grand a month. Like they've really built it into a business. Like it's crazy. To where they might even open a furniture store. Yeah. There are people now buying couches wholesale. So these guys are, you know, going and buying 20 couches straight from the manufacturer and they're reselling them on Craigslist or whatever. Wow. You know, I used to sell back when I was shit, not even 20. I used to sell a membership to a group. Basically it was a buying club where it's $5,000 and you could buy furniture at cost and furniture is marked up like a son of a bitch. You know, oh, you know, yeah, that's crazy. Now you go in and buy a $5,000 couch that that couch is in more than 1500 bucks. No, not at all. Yeah. But, but, uh, you'd pay us $5,000. I'd sell the membership and you'd, you'd be a part of this buying club. And now you can buy any couch you want direct from the manufacturer. And I had a guy come in there. He bought the $5,000 membership and then he was selling furniture, but he just opened a store and was buying it cheap, selling it there. So that was like my first experience that, that you could flip couches, but it was furniture. It wasn't just couches. It was beds, everything. Yeah. And I think that's what they're realizing is you can totally make 10 grand a month, like just buying used couches on Craigslist every day. So what'd that lead to? Well, eventually I got tired of it. No more. Are you? No, no. I should have like just built an empire of couches, but uh, now eventually I was like, all right, I'm kind of tired of this. Like, it's great that it's maybe money, but what's next? And I remember my wife and I were on our one year anniversary in New Orleans and I was just praying. I was like, you know, God, it's been a year. I'm married. We're still together. Things are going good. You know, I'm making more money than I ever have in my life, but I don't see myself doing this the rest of my life. So what am I supposed to do? And I saw this commercial, like literally maybe within an hour after that prayer. And it was one of these guys saying, Hey, you can learn how to flip houses where no money, no cash, flip them right now, make 30 grand, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, that seems like a scam. And so I was like, I'm not doing that. And I had seen those commercials before, but I never, like, I was always just skeptical. Well, I just felt something inside of me saying, look more into it. So I started Googling and, you know, sure enough, Google says, Hey, you know, you can actually do this. It's called wholesaling, you know, or you can go get a private lender to go fund the deal for you. And I was like, wow, that that's crazy. I never considered that. I no, They don't teach you that in realtor school when I went to realtor school. And I was like, I'm just going to go for it. So I told my wife on the anniversary, I was like, hey, when I come home, I'm going to go flip houses. And I don't know how we're going to get the money. We might have to max out our credit cards, but I'm going to go find a deal and we're going to flip it. And so a couple of months later, I find my first deal. Um, I didn't have any private lenders or anything. So I just said, let's just max out our credit cards. And so we maxed out our credit cards for 50 grand. And I mean, obviously it was huge. I mean, we, but that's all it took 50 G's. Well, you know, prices were a lot cheaper back then too. So you can't do that now. Can you? I mean, there are a lot of cheap houses in other parts, but like this house in Vegas was $99,000. Oh, that ain't bad. Yeah. So, you know, I bought it for 99,000 and so it wasn't a nice house. I mean, it was pretty decent. I mean, that same house today in Vegas, um, Bonanza and lamb. No, it's actually eight, nine, one Oh seven. So, you know, near the 95 and Jones. So, I mean, it's not terrible area and that house today is probably worth like three fifty, I would guess. So, you know, I buy it for 99,000. This is in 2015 and 
you know, I eventually sell it two months later, it was a super quick sale. It only needed a couple thousand of rehab for 135,000. And so I made about 25 grand and you know, the rest is history. You said, holy shit. I was like, that's, I'd have to flip a lot of couches to do what I just did there. Now, did you have to save up your money or did you eventually get lenders and the rest of it? Well, for the first two years, I just kept redeploying my profits into the next deal so I could scale. And I kept my credit card. I literally kept my credit cards maxed out for years because I was like, well, what's the point of even paying this back? Like, I'm going to make way more than the money's out for. And also, too, I had applied for all these 0% credit cards. So I had them for like 18 months. So I said, I'll just keep the money out. Why, why pay it back? And so I kept the money out, took profits. You know, one house turned to two, two turned to four, four turned to eight. And, you know, eventually uh, it just kept scaling and scaling. So those first two years, I did five and 20. And then going into year three, I'd finally built up some credibility and I got my first private money lender. And that was what really allowed me to scale because now I wasn't so dependent on my own money anymore. So you're just looking for deals everywhere? Everywhere, dude. That's all I did. Is that all over now? (laughs) Is it all over? No more deals? I mean, now people are more motivated than ever. But can somebody right now go do what you did? Yeah. I mean. So right now somebody could go out and start flipping houses. Yeah. How did you know where to go get the people to fix up the house? Like the rehab or the contractors? Yeah. Like sometimes I have people come over to my house, you know, and I'm like, hey, I just need to, I just want to put a stack stone wall right here. And they're like, you know, 90 grand. And I'm like. (laughs) 90 G's for a wall. Yeah. And then I see people doing these flips and there's like, you know, it was a $13,000 flip and the whole house looks amazing. I'm like, how the hell did you do that for 13 grand? Yeah. So starting out, obviously I didn't know a lot of people. Um, I was just looking on Craigslist for contractors the same way I knew how to find couches. I was like, Craigslist, it's great. I found houses on Craigslist too, by the way. But um, I would look on Craigslist. I would just do word of mouth. I would go attend meetups, just trying to get around other investors and, you know, just trying to network with as many contractors as I could. So yeah, I mean, it was just like hustling, trying to find these guys. And I mean, now today we we've worked with so many contractors. Like we just, we know exactly what things cost. They've we've used them for many years now. So we've, we've built them up pretty good. So did you, so you started wholesaling no, I, I started flipping first. I so took, did you buy the house yourself? Yeah. So you bought it, closed on it, then flipped it, then sold it. Yeah. My first probably hundred deals were flips. Like I did. You've done hundred deals? What? You've done a hundred deals? I've done 500 deals. 500 deals? 500. But my first hundred were flips specifically. Cause I just didn't like, in my mind, I look at, I would look at the deal and I'm like, I know how to flip. Why am I going to make? five, 10 grand on a wholesale when I can go make 30 grand on a flip. Like I'll just flip it. And so it wasn't until 2018 that I really started wholesaling. And I was like, okay, I understand. Like we got to have some balance. It's not just about flipping. You know, we don't want to have all these properties and and have a ton of risk. So like that house I just got in Florida. Now I've never been there. Right. Million three is the appraisal. It's a block off the beach. It's a three bedroom or it's a three unit structure, whatever that is. Triplex. Yeah. Now do I go down there and flip it or do I just keep it for the rental income? Well, you and I were talking about this kind of off camera. So if you keep it, I mean, you don't have to pay tax, right? You could refinance it and get a HELOC against it and get the cash and not pay tax. Um, you know, you got it so cheap. I don't know if you, you're going to say, but 
you got it so cheap and if you do flip it, you're going to have to pay a lot of tax. Or roll it 1031. Yeah, you could do that. Because I'm, I'm going to start getting into real estate because I'm finally convinced after all these years. I watched Grant go from, you know, he, he had a lot when I first met him. Right. But now look. But, but, you know, it took me a while to understand the value of What have you been flow. doing with your money at this point? Spending it, building businesses. <laughs> Spending it. Yeah. You know, Buying Ferraris. Doing stupid shit. Okay. I did that for a while. But, but lately, you know, I own RV dealerships. Okay. I like businesses. I do too. So, I mean, like I, I buy businesses really. And then the ones that are already operating and then I just let them grow and I haven't really liquidated any of them, but, uh, I haven't really been into real estate, but I'm about to get into real estate, but I want like, you know, apartment buildings. Yeah. I mean, like, the you, know, you, benefit- you go up, you go up Eastern, there's an apartment building on the left. Yeah. Uh, like on Eastern and horizon Ridge. Yeah. Nice area. Yeah. I'm like wondering how much is that? How much does that take down? So one of my buddies is the biggest developer out here in Vegas. And so he builds those massive apartments um, that you see here, like the Elysians and things like that. And I mean, those are like, you know, nine figure apartments just to give you some context. So what do you need down for that? Well, I mean, he's the developer, so he's raising all the money to, to go build them. And then once they're built and, uh, you know, rent it out, he then sells them. And so, I mean, he makes a killing doing that, but I mean, they have so many around town, like they have the process. They know exactly how to build them, rent them out. Like it's just like clockwork for them. I had a, I had a guy on my podcast a little while ago. He does it with single family homes. He builds them. Yeah. Why don't you do that? Um, I'm like you, if I'm going to build a portfolio, then I'm going to just buy big buildings. Like it's just, there's nothing wrong with single family. Like I flip them. I have a single family portfolio too. That's how I got started. And then eventually like last year we started buying multifamily. And so in the last, you know, 16 months, we've bought 500 plus units, raising money just like the way Grant does. And, um, I think that that model is much easier. I mean, it's way easier to just use other people's money to scale. Like you, you're, you're very limited with what you can do on your own. Aren't you worried about all the nonsense from investors? I mean, <laughs> if you look at the best companies in the world, they all take other people's money. That That is the only way to grow. Well, I mean, you must have a good legal team. Yeah, we got legal. But like, dude, I mean, think about it. Blackstone, BlackRock, all these guys are just, they're taking investors' money and they're they're redeploying it. Um, you look at these companies that go public, what are they doing? They're they're raising money from investors to go get more capital to go scale the business and whatever. So, I mean, you just realize if you want to scale, you have no choice but to take investor money and live with whatever criticisms or, you know, drama, whatever you're saying, like is gonna happen. I mean, even when I'm flipping, it, it's always other people's money. So have you ever got screwed flipping like lost money on a deal? Yeah. Yeah. Many deals. So how do you know which ones do you'll, you'll lose on which ones you won't? Well, you got to underwrite it from the beginning and make sure that, you know, the numbers pencil out and, you know, right now, like we, we have a bunch of flips right now that will lose money just because the market has turned and there's not much I can do about it is what it is. You know, my investors are all on interest and so they're going to make their interest. I'm going to lose money personally. And so it sucks, but well, are you going to lose money? Or you're going to lose profit. Uh, I mean, money. I mean, they're going to be a negative deal, so I'm going to have to come out of pocket. You know, does that sting? 
Those always sting, dude. Nobody. What if you? What if it's more than you got? Well, then you're figuring out what to do. I mean, you just you just start over. If you if you went bankrupt right now because you, uh, yeah, or the market turned, you just do it again. Yeah, you would just start like over. Right, like right now, dude. If you woke up tomorrow morning, you looked down, you saw your dick was a little bit bigger, and you realized you were me. <laughs> Would you go out and just start again? Cause like, I don't have really, I have a couple of properties, but nothing major. Would you go out and start? And I basically bought them. Like I, I'm not flipping them. I, I just, yeah, yeah. but, but like that house in, in Florida, I don't even know what to do. With it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, it's just like anything. Why, do I, why don't you buy it for me? And I'll, and then you go do what I should do. We could partner on it. We could definitely do that. So yeah. I mean, like if you were asking me whether it's real estate or a business or whatever, like, yeah, if, if I go bankrupt, I'll just start again. And like most successful business people, building it back will be way faster because we have skills, we you have knowledge, we have relationships, like people still will trust us. Even at the end of the day, if things go south, like you, you live and you learn, nobody's going to be a perfect investor. Nobody's going to be a perfect businessman. There's going to be crap that hits the fan on all fronts. And so, you know, for me, it's like, you have to just navigate what's the best path going forward for everyone involved. Right. So it's like, okay, crap at the fan. What do we do? Right. If there's not enough money to pay everyone back, then how do we make this the best it can be? You know, do we get our, um, you know, with our investors and say, Hey, you know, let's get on a payment plan and you know, we'll pay this out in the future when things are better. Um, do you declare bankruptcy and like everyone's screwed? Like those are questions people have to answer. I mean, you're looking at it right now with the crypto with FTX and you know, all this stuff, these people are getting screwed on. So it's like, for me anyways, I've never had an investor in any of my real estate deals, like lose money yet. Will it happen? I mean, I don't want to knock on wood, but the odds say, yeah, like at some point someone's going to lose money. The best Mm. investors of all time have lost money. And so how do you handle that? It's, you know, it's going to be up to, you know, us and what's available and the options. WealthCon's coming back to Vegas January 8th to the 11th. Now, if you've been to our events, you know how epic they are. We have the best time, not only with just great content, great speakers, but we have a lot of fun with the after parties and the masterminds and everything else. And number one, it's probably the best networking opportunity in the entire game. We have over a thousand investors and entrepreneurs at each one. And this will be no different. In fact, this is going to be my favorite WealthCon ever. We've got some amazing speakers coming. People like Tim Tebow, Thatch Nguyen, Gabrielle Lyon, the list goes on. It is going to be an epic event and I want to see you there. So if you're interested in attending, get your tickets now because they will not last. Go to wealthcon.org and get them today. Everyone knows that my favorite way to build wealth is through real estate investing. That's the reason that I started Wealthy Investor, where we've trained thousands of students. But here's the thing. I've noticed that so many people fail to get started in real estate because they're worried about the money. They don't know where they're going to get the money to buy a house or flip or handle their renovations and things like that. And so they just never get started. I want to change that. And that's why I created a brand new free course that goes over five different ways that you could buy houses without using any of your own money today. And I'm going to give you it completely for free. All you have to do is go to wealthyinvestor.com slash podcast. I've made it specifically for you. The moment you go to that link, you'll be able to go get access to it and learn how you could start buying houses today without any of your own money. And if you're somebody who already has a real estate business and who wants to scale, we want to help you too. You can click the link below and book a free strategy call with our team if that's you. When I hear flip, 
I hear buy it cheap, make it nicer, sell it for more. Right. What happens when I buy it? What I think is cheap. I put 50 grand in it, make it nicer. And then it doesn't sell for what I thought it would. Yeah. So I mean, here's the deal. You can only do that once or twice before you're freaking tapped. Yeah. You're getting in trouble. So here's the deal. Like if you're buying long-term assets, the way that Grant Grant is doing and other guys, as long as you've got cash flow, like you'll weather the storm, you know, you're talking fun. about long-term. I'm talking about flipping yeah, specifically. Yeah. Well, this is like why I can just, go out on a Saturday. I can go out this Saturday, buy a, a house, all cash, 300 grand. Right. Think to myself, well, I'll just put 50 grand in it and then sell it for 400 grand, make 50 grand. Right. But what if I do that? I buy it all cash. Boom. And because. Well, uh, if you bought it all cash, I mean, you're going to sell it and get a, your cash back, but it's just going to be less cash than what you <laughs> put into it. But how do you know? Like, do you get comps? Like, how are yeah. you supposed to know what this thing's going to bring? Yeah. I mean, it all just comes down to how you evaluate the deal. So you're going to underwrite it and you're going to. Underwrite it means what? run the comps, like you're saying. So I'm going to look at it and say, okay, this is definitely going to sell for 400,000. That's what every other one in the block is selling for with similar upgrades and everything. Okay. I know that I'm going to have these realtor fees, these closing costs. You know, I think my renovation is going to be 50 grand. Like you said, you know, my minimum profit I want on it is 40 grand, 50 grand. So you're going to back out all of your expenses from that end number you think you're going to sell it for. And then sure enough, you're going to arrive at basically your max offer. And you're going to say, okay, the max I can offer on this deal is 370. And anything above 370, I will lose money or it won't be worth it. Um, anything below 370, I'm just making more money. It's great. And so that's how we look at every deal. And right now. Why don't the people that sell it to you just flip it themselves? Because they don't have money. They don't have crews. You know, they're, they're just wholesalers or realtors. Like they want to make money right now today. They don't want the full spread. But like for right now, we're in a weird market where things have gone down and we don't know when they're going to like start getting better because well, they can't go farther down than a $200,000 house. I, I personally don't think that single family is going to go down much more. Like I personally just don't think that. And not only that, I mean the cheaper ones, they're not going to go down very much anyway. They're cheap. I agree. It like, was, the, it was the high price ones that were stupid and now we're coming down. Yeah. Like there was a house over here by our house. It was 6.9 million. And my wife's like, you yeah, know, we should get that. We should get that. Now it's 4.2 million. Wow. Now thank God. Cause I almost went and got it. <laughs> yeah, this is a nice hey, you house. You should get it now. Well, again, it was a nice house, but now it's on, it's listed for 4.2. And I would have thought when I would have thought I paid 6.9 for that thing. But why don't you pay 4.2 for it now? You thought it was good at 6.9. Well, that's, but that's what the comps were right now. 4.2 is a little bit high. Everyone's saying it should be about more like four. Why don't you go offer 3.5? Cause it, I, I'm looking to invest, not live. I'd live okay. in it. All right. I don't want to, I don't want to buy a house. I want to buy you want an investment. I want to buy. Yeah. I want to invest. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. I think right now, um, the, the big thing is just being ultra conservative with how you look at deals. So it's like, yeah, maybe the comps from six months ago said 400,000, but you know, there hasn't been really any sales lately. So we're going to just say, you know what? I think this is 360. Like, let's just take 10% off. And so you're, you're evaluating the same deal at 360. And now you're saying, well, I still needs 50K. We still got closing. I mean, we can only offer three, 
thirty for this. Would you advise people that are doing this to go get their or, real sorry, estate two, license? Two thirty. My bad. Um, real estate license. I don't think you need it now. So do I need a realtor to go get my comps? Yeah, I mean you could look on Zillow, but the MLS is always going to be the best. And if you're brand new and you don't know how to run comps, then yeah, a realtor is going to be super helpful. So you don't have to be a realtor to run comps. You could run them on the MLS or like all these other softwares that, you know, real estate investors use. Hmm. And you don't think it's saturated now? No, there's way less competition right now. Because Everyone's of the market? Scared. Yeah. Why would you, why would they be scared? Cause they think it's going to keep going down. Well, I think you've got people like me who have flips going on. They're going to lose money. And so they're freaking out and maybe well, they don't why don't have- you just hold them. So that's what I was going to say, right? Like, with real estate, there's lots of exit options, right? So here's the worst case, right? I got flips. They're going to lose money. But hold on, because I want to dig into that. Okay. There's, there's people listening that are confused as I am. Okay. Why will you lose? You will only lose money if you sell it. Correct. So why not hold it and just rent the bitch out? Right. So I'm going to just tell you the, the multiple exits, right? So exit one is you flip, you lose money. And your investors get their money back. Your hard money lender gets paid. You personally lose the money, right? If you have liquidity and you can afford it, then cool, right? Thankfully for me, I got a lot of different businesses. So I'm not only reliant on that money. So I can afford to lose on some and be okay. Option two to what you're saying, keep them, okay? Keeping them right now is a little difficult for a couple of reasons. One is your investors got to be okay, like you holding it now for however many months. Oh, right? cause, cause you took investments, but if you own it yourself, you don't, you don't. Yeah. Don't. If you, but, but most real estate investors don't do that. Most are always taking debt on everything. Right. And you'll do that too. Eventually. No, I'm going to, I plan on using my money. I mean, to start because I want to, because I want to learn it. Everyone keeps saying, dude, give me this and I'll do this and I'll do that. And Grant's like, give me your money. And you said, give me your money. And it's like, I don't want just a return. I want to learn what the hell's going on. Yeah. But what I'm saying is once you learn, you're still going to take debt to go buy your properties. At some point when you scale, you always take debt. So yeah, your first couple of ones, you can go use your own cash, but you're going to run out of money. And so if you want to go do 10 more deals, you're going to have to go raise some money. And so, but, but how many deals are there? I mean, like can't, can't you, just, I mean, I'd be happy. Doing we do. One, I mean, one, we've been one, doing one over a hundred a year. So like it's a lot of deals. I'd be happy to win one a weekend. One a weekend? That's 52 deals. It's a yeah. lot of deals. 52 deals. That's a lot. And if you're sticking around the two, three, four hundred thousand dollars shit home. Well, those aren't even available. Like $200,000 home is not a thing anymore in Vegas anyways. Like, so. So what's the cheapest the, the median home in, home in Vegas is like four to 500 K. So let's just say you're at the median 500 K times 52 homes. I mean, what's the math? That's $25 million of property you're going to buy. So it's a lot of dough. So anyways, option I two. Got, I got it. Well, then you're good because you're you're the richest man alive. <laughs> I got that kind of dough. There we go, baby. Then you're good. But for most people, your listeners, you're taking out debt and private money. And so what happens is, sure, you could potentially hold it, but you're going to have to get your investor on board with holding it because they're they're thinking you're going to flip this and it's going to take you know a few months, not yeah. years. Investors want their money back. Yeah, they want their money back. And then your hard money loans only usually a year. So you got to get an extension on that and maybe they'll give you a six month extension or something like, so, I mean, you're waiting it out and then you're hoping the market doesn't go down because if it goes down, then you can't refinance because you don't have enough equity. Um, unless you refinance and you, your investors are basically not able to get their money back. You ref, you refinance and you say, Hey, I'm going to just put you on a payment plan until 
the market turns around and it becomes this multi-year hold. And like that, at the end of the day, that is better for an investor. If, you know, the third alternative is you lose the property and investor loses their money. Everyone loses their money. That would be alternative three. So, you know, see, I wouldn't be able to do that. Dude, I'd have to pay the investor. Yeah, me too. That's why I say like for me, I look at option one or two and I'm like, okay, option one investor gets their money back. They're happy with me. Yeah, I lose money, but I can afford to, you know, to a degree, right? I only have so much money, but you know, it's done. They're happy. But you, you, you give it back and keep it yourself and just wait. Right. So option two, Hey, maybe I can get the investor's money out, but now I got to go put money into the deal and I just hold it and wait. Like I've done that on a couple too. Have you ever got new investors to pay out the old investors? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've done that before too. Is that like a Ponzi? <laughs> no, I mean, as long as they know what they're buying into, it's like, so how many businesses do you have right now? Um, seven that are doing over seven figures, seven businesses. Yeah. Like, don't you ever figure like you should do one worth a hundred, uh, you know, 10 figures or nine figures, then seven worth seven. Yeah. I mean, I've thought a lot about this cause you, you hear lots of people have that belief and they all point to, well, the billionaires have one business, right? That that's the only way to become a billionaire. And I think that it's true to a degree for most people, but I think with what I'm trying to do, um, it's really about building a portfolio of businesses that I own. Like I don't manage any one business. Like they're all under the parent company. And as we acquire businesses too now, not just start them because all those were started from scratch you know, zero. And I think that it will increase the overall portfolio value of what we do. And if we're buying similar businesses to what we already own, we know how to run them. Like we know what, how to do education. We know how to do real estate. So it's not like it's really a different industry. It's just like acquiring more of what we already have. Are you buying them on terms? Well, I think it's going to be very similar to what Grant and Hormozzi are doing where you know, I think a lot of people are just going to give their businesses for free. Like, I don't think that right. P- portion of them. Yeah. A portion, not the whole thing. Right. So I think there's going to be a lot of people who just want to partner because they don't really know how to take it to the next level. They want our resources, our consulting. They want to integrate it into what we currently already have. Like I just did that with a CRM company. Like we're, we're working at a deal right now where, you know, we're going to be able to, you know, acquire them. We're not paying any money. Right. And we're going to be able to rebrand, integrate it into our students and our coaching and everything else. Blow it up for them. And blow it up. Right. It's a super win win. It's better for them. Yeah. It's a win win. So is this the wealthy way you're talking about this whole time? For what? Like, what's the wealthy way? What is the wealthy way? Good question. So the the title of the book, well, the subtitle is Don't Go Broke Trying to Get Rich. Okay. Cause my thing is so many people have gone broke doing what we're doing right now. They just focus only on business and, you know, they look up 10 years later, stressed out. They realize they're out of shape. They're fat. They, you know, have been divorced. They have no relationship with their kids. They, you know, don't have faith. They they don't go to church. They don't really have a purpose for why they're doing what they're doing. They just keep trying to make more money. And I've realized like, that's not really what brings fulfillment or happiness, Right. Most people just don't even understand why they're doing what they're doing. And so for me, I got very passionate about helping people prevent that 
because we we kind of live in this world of comparison. Like, oh, well, how many followers does Brad have? You know, how much money is Brad making? It's like, no one cares. Like, you shouldn't care what Brad's doing. You should be focused on you and what you're doing and what makes you happy. And that was part of why I, I wrote the book to help people understand that, to help people understand how to create goals around the things that are actually important. And then also too, how to manage all of these different elements of life, right? Um, so many people are wasting time every day doing things that don't matter. And they're living in fear. They're living with, you know, anxiety. They're living like, like in all these things that just don't help. Right. And so we go over a bunch of things that have made me successful beyond just like understanding your priorities, things like, um, time management, like how exactly the best people in the world manage their time. We go over things like how, how you actually can take action every day, not just, you know, say, yeah, like today's the day I'm going to do like, no, how it becomes an actual discipline to what you're doing, how to have discipline, right? Um, how did you learn all of it? Had I learned to do all of it? I mean, just from doing it and, and like seeing what works, what doesn't work. I think a lot of what I believe is also from baseball, you know, um, I think a lot of it, like one of the chapters is about taking risk and we're talking about risk right now. Like you can totally lose money flipping houses, starting a business, whatever, but you're going to lose way more money, not doing anything right. Continuing on the path you're on that you hate, you automatically lose staying on that path. When in reality, you're too scared to go take a different path because you fear the unknown. And so there's a big chapter about faith and like taking that first step. And so a lot of it is to help people understand what they should be striving for, and then the steps to actually get there. What's your favorite business that you have? I would say education, man. I love education. Um, I mean, obviously I'm a real estate guy. I love multifamily and flipping houses and all that, but I truly enjoy teaching people and I enjoy what we're doing with the wealthy way as well. You know, I enjoy the podcast and being an influencer like you. Um, I like making content. I, I love them all, but if I had to pick a business, probably education. What's the, I think it's a survey where you can write off hundred percent of the building in the first year. Cost segregation. Yeah. Yeah. How do you know, like all the little tricks without knowing all the little tricks? Is there a book or something? Mm, there, there are definitely a lot of books. Uh, I think uh, there's one by Tom Wheelwright. That's like a classic book. I forget what it's called. Um, he, he was Robert Kiyosaki's accountant. So I think that book kind of talks about some stuff, but just get a good accountant. Cause like, for example, I bought a building and some land in Oregon and I have partners on it. Right. How do I know the people that I bought it from didn't already do a cost segregation? Do I get to do one too now? Yeah. The moment you buy it, you now get to do whatever you want. So, so if they sold it, they now have to recapture what they did. Meaning if they got, let's just say they got a $2 million write-off on it earlier, right? And they sell the building. They now have to pay that back. Oh, shit. Yeah. So this is why they're great because you get this write-off, but the moment you sell, you, you got to pay it back. And so what most people do is they 1031 exchange into another building so that they don't have to pay tax. And then they do it again and they do it again. And so, you know, basically like the saying with 1031 is, um, you swap till you drop, <laughs> meaning you just keep swapping up until you die because and just borrowing against them. Yeah. You borrow against them. And so your first 1031 might've started with that $200,000 house. Then you upgraded to a 500 
then a million, then a two million. And then, you know, by the time you're super old, you might have $20 million property from that first house and you haven't paid any tax on it. And if you were to sell that $20 million building, you know, the way it is, you'd pay tax on like a $20 million gain because your basis is from the beginning of when you started doing those swaps. Mm. Now, what about your, uh, your tykes? Oh yeah. Yeah. We haven't even talked about that. So I had an NFT project I launched at the end of August called Tykes. NFTs took a shit, didn't they? Not Tykes, but yeah, majority. So I knew they would. I told people. (laughs) Cause like, why would you buy a gorilla picture for $2 million? Like it's a picture of a monkey. Well, they're like, well, no, it's, you get access to the VIP parties. I'm like, bro, that's a, that's, that's, that can't last. Yeah. Well, and I didn't ever like those anyway. Right. I think. If you're going to buy something, you've got to actually get things that you can see are as valuable as whatever you're paying for, right? That, that's how normal <laughs> things you buy work, right? I assume that I, by buying this, I will get at least the amount of value that I'm paying for it, but hopefully way more than what I pay for it, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I launched Tykes back in August of you know 2022, and we launched them for $500 a Tyke. We sold all 5,000 of them. And I mean, at the time of filming this, they're worth like $2,500 a piece. Um, we've done a lot of cool things with education, with, um, you know, they generate this cryptocurrency we have called Tycoin, which you can spend on our marketplace and buy not only my own products and services with the crypto, but you can buy our members who post their own products and services. Um, we have Airbnbs that people can use the coins to stay at. And I, I guess I forgot to mention this. The the purpose of Tykes is to pioneer the future of real estate. So I think that real estate's going to be a lot more tech focused in the coming years. So you're going to have real estate merge with the blockchain. I think chains of title and all that stuff are going to change. I think you're going to be able to fractionalize real estate and buy into little tiny shares of real estate, like very commonly. Um, I think that how we build houses is going to change. I think prefab homes, 3D homes, all of that is going to play a major role in the coming years because everything we do in real estate right now is so archaic, right? It's like super ripe for disruption and the industry is massive. Like real estate's a trillion dollar plus industry. So for me, I said, you know what? I already have a big following on normal real estate today. Okay. What if I spearhead into the future for all of these things that are going for sure, 1000% going to happen. It's just a matter of when, what if I build the community that's totally about that mission. And they're on the cutting edge of all these things. What if they're able to invest in the businesses that are going to shape that future? What if they can join those businesses with me by being a part of the community? And so that's really what the mission is about. Hmm. Folks, if you guys aren't convinced already, you better go like follow this dude at Ryan Pineda. P-I-N-E-D-A, if you don't already know. Go get his book, The Wealthy Way, on pre-ordered on Amazon. If this is out, it's probably already out. Yep. And I'm going to drop it pretty quick, though. I'll move you up the ladder. Oh, dude. It drops uh, December 13th, so next week on Tuesday. Yep. Oh, yeah, right on. Yeah. Well, congrats on the new book. Congrats on all the success. I know uh, you're a smart dude. How old are you? 33. 33 years old, already freaking crushing life. What would you tell everybody listening if they were right around your age, not crushing yet. What was the difference between when you were str- not struggling, but when you were sitting there and now when I was a broke Filipino boy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think back then for one, 
I wasn't like trying to better myself in terms of like making money. You know, I wasn't watching YouTube. I wasn't going to events. I wasn't listening to podcasts like that. I wasn't doing any of that. So I never got inspired. I never got new ideas. I never knew what was possible. Like I got lucky that I figured out couch flipping without any of it. Right. But if I would have just been smart enough to go on podcast, I would have been like, oh, dang, I could wholesale. I could flip houses. I could, you know, do any of these things. So I think that people already doing like listening to this, they're already like on a better path. But the difference is if they're still broke, like you're saying, they're not taking action with what they hear. That's the problem. And so if you're listening to this and you're not taking action, why is that? Right. And you got to really dig deep and say, well, maybe my why is not big enough for me to take action. Maybe I'm content where I'm at. Right. I'm content being a broke Filipino boy. I wasn't. I was looking for another way. Right. Now, now your mom was in the audience at that event. You said, yeah, no, <laughs> my wife she, was too. You said they didn't like me very much. No, my wife does. My wife is not a big Bradley fan. Oh, come <laughs> <laughs> I think she doesn't like all the cussing. Yeah. Is she a good Christian girl. She is. I'm going to, I'm going to do that as well. Start, start. Well, I'm already seeking, but oh, there's a lot to learn. Oh, bro. Then. Like, like for example, his name's not Jesus. We know that. Yeah. You, you know said that? Yeshua, right? That's his name. I know. That was his name and it still is his name, but everyone says Jesus. So every time I start to, you know, head to a church or start hanging around to like do a little more seeking with this group or that group and they're saying, praise Jesus. I'm like, you don't even know his name. Like, why am I going to listen to you? <laughs> bro, you're getting caught up in in the stuff that's irrelevant. We got to get once again to the why, but I know, but his, you know, if you look at the scripture, his name isn't irrelevant to him. He says, give praise to my name. Right. He's, I mean, it's translated. He, to he English. says, he says, call upon. No, that's not true. Otherwise, Joshua, who's also in the Bible mm -hmm. would be Jesus also, but he's not Joshua, which was Yahshua or Yeshua back then, which mm -hmm. was what his name was. One went to Jesus and one went to Joshua. So if it, and it was the same name in the beginning. So if it was translation, they both would have been Jesus and they're not, there's only one Jesus. Well, here's what I can say, Brad, I will give you the answer after researching it and talking to pastors and everyone. So you, you, so you can get past that and then get to the truth. Amen. That's what I'll do. For Maybe you. you'll bring me to the Lord. You know, that's what the wealthy way is all about too. There's I, a lot of stuff in there about faith. I think he's calling me brother. I think he's calling me. I'm starting to see some change in you. Oh yeah. Yeah, I really am. <laughs> maybe, maybe one day I'll be like a, a, a pastor or something. There's, there's a reason. Well, that'd be great. I would love to see that. Maybe there's a reason why we went from acquaintances to what I feel like now we're buddies. You know, I know you have a high regard for who you would call a buddy. So I'm trying to get in the friend zone with you. Money will do that. Money will do that. What if we get this uh, real estate deal done for you? Yeah, that'll work. That'll work. Hey, I already consider you a buddy. All right, good. Ryan Pineda is a good dude, folks. I, I vouch for him. Appreciate you coming in, dude. Appreciate you, bro. As always, till next time, keep it real. If the goal of life is to get as rich as possible, there are certain rules that make sense. Don't pay your house off. Maximize uh, Real estate rentals were a business back in 2010, 11, 12. It is